Trials and tribulations, life can get rough. And through the storm, we'll make it. Just put your trust in Him. No matter what you're going through, I know that I'll never leave you. You feel that you can't take no more. You may think you've seen it all. Thanks for listening to the Get Happy with Jay podcast, edited, hosted, and produced by yours truly, Jatan Woods. If you like what you hear, I would appreciate it so much if you would share the podcast. Feel free to comment and review as well. If you want to reach me directly, send me a message on the Facebook page, Get Happy with Jay, or you can leave a comment at the website, gethappywithjay.com. That's where you can catch up on all missed episodes and other content. Now on to the show. My guest today is Don Jackson, a local attorney who has spent most of his life fighting for justice. Not just for his legal clients, but for all citizens. He's been a past leader of the local NAACP chapter. He has literally spent decades of his life in service for others and for justice and equality. I know this podcast is usually upbeat and positive, but today my heart is heavy. There is an atmospheric shift going on in this country. It's dangerous and insidious, and its name is racism. I cannot simply turn a blind eye and act as if people of color are not being viciously attacked on a daily basis, and often by the people who are supposed to be charged with protecting them, the police. I was scrolling through my timeline on Facebook just last night, and I had to shut it down. I saw video after video of incidents with either the police or even other people being violent towards black and brown people. People of color being thrown out of businesses for doing nothing but being black. People being told they're not welcome in certain establishments based on the melanin in their skin. We will talk about as many of these situations as time allows today, so we welcome Don. I don't know about you, but I feel like my blackness is under attack as never before. I wanted to talk to you, Don, about these situations from a legal perspective. For me, when I analyze a situation, I try to look at it from the human perspective. But as a woman of color, I cannot help but view those same situations with that filter as well. When it comes to the racist incidents that we'll discuss in detail, Don, it didn't seem to matter if the person was poised, well-spoken, not threatening. Just simply being black was enough to be viciously attacked. So let's start there, Don, and welcome. Well, thank you. I, um, I'm glad to be on the show with you this morning. Glad to have you. Um, can we first start with the incident at Starbucks? That's the one that kind of was the at the forefront in my mind. You had an example of two young African-American men doing absolutely nothing wrong, doing what millions of people do at Starbucks all across the country every single day, just sitting there enjoying the Wi-Fi as they were actually waiting for another person for a business meeting. And for some apparent reason, the manager didn't want him in the store. We know why. Let's take it from there. 
What did you think about when you heard about that incident? Well, quite frankly, it blew my mind. I mean, I've seen or we've seen examples even in the city of Peoria where uh, it's enough just being black if you're walking on the street and mm-hmm. uh, looking at buildings. That in and of itself is enough to, to um, uh, get a stop by a police officer and with questions and what are you doing here, that sort of thing. But this thing was just unreal. I think we've all been in uh, Starbucks re- uh, restaurants at times. When you see people uh, sitting around, working on their iPads, drinking a cup of coffee, using their restrooms, that sort of thing, and uh, with with absolutely no interruption by the staff of uh, that particular facility. When I heard about these two guys simply sitting there, and in fact, as it unfolded, sitting there waiting for... Uh, actually a white man uh, Mm -hmm. to come in and uh, uh, talk to them about business uh, and uh, ask and and them being asked to leave the the establishment because they hadn't purchased anything or you know whatever I it just blew my mind and that was so clearly based on race that I suspect if they could have went through everybody that was sitting in Starbucks that day, they would have found other people sitting there uh, with absolutely no intent to buy a cup of coffee. Well, or in a fact, donut. there were people, Caucasian allies, I'll call them, that were were speaking out against the exactly. injustice and saying, "I'm doing the same thing. I've been sitting here longer than they have, and no one has said a word to me." The woman that actually filmed the incident that went viral, and God bless her for doing that or we wouldn't even be speaking about this today. She was saying, I've been sitting here doing nothing and no one has bothered me. No one has approached me. Why are you bothering these gentlemen? And no response to that, uh, absolutely. And you would think somebody with a reasonable amount of uh, common sense at that point in time would say, okay, we're going to end this thing, you know, enjoy Mm -hmm. yourself. And if you want to have a cup of coffee, but this guy persisted, called the police, but even the response to the police. That's what I want to talk uh, about next, yeah. Don. The police, in my opinion, and you're the attorney, that's why I love having you here. Mm-hmm. But from my point of view, the police, when they got there and saw that absolutely no crime was being committed, why didn't they just leave it alone? Or at worst, say, okay, guys, they don't want you here. Go ahead and leave. But why did they have to take them into custody? Didn't they have the power at that point? to say, okay, this has gone far enough, or this is a civil matter, as they'll do with even domestic violence disputes. Why didn't they just let the guys go? Why did they remand them into custody? I agree 100%, but that is uh, an indication of what it means to be black in this society. And I think a lot of it has to do with the election of our current president, uh, you know, a year and a half ago or so, and uh, the attitude towards race uh, anymore. Mm -hmm. Even if they had said to the police officers, or the police officers had said to them, uh, okay, guys, they don't want you here. If the store did not have a viable and legitimate reason, uh, you know, they were harassing other customers or they were, you know, whatever, uh, then the police should have questioned the store about why you don't. We've got all these other people. I mean, if they're really looking uh, to treat people on an equal level, Mm -hmm. 
uh, they should have asked further questions. Uh, and they had said. witnesses trying to speak up and, and, and were, talk to them. And they exactly. totally, in the video, they totally blew them off. Right. They weren't even acknowledging that these people were speaking. It, it was, was so bizarre. A perfect example of uh, being black and, 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 and sitting, I guess. Now, what uh, legal recourse will these gentlemen have? Because even though they weren't charged, they were arrested and detained for nine hours. Yeah, I, there's no question in my mind that I think they have a, uh, a certainly a civil rights claim against them. Uh, if it was in Illinois, uh, you know, it's they would file with the Illinois Department of Human Rights and, and take a human rights case against them. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, and file contemporaneously with the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. And uh, they had an equal right to be in the restaurant in light of the fact it's a mm-hmm. public place. There's no question about it. Yes. And they were doing nothing uh, more than white their white counterparts in there that were doing, and that is uh, sitting in the restaurant waiting to discuss things with someone. And, and so, yeah, I think an equal protection case uh, could be made uh, against the restaurant and perhaps even against the police department. Because, That's what I'm thinking, too, because, because, because like no, I said, they had their part in this. They had no probable cause whatsoever uh, to uh, cause those young men to uh, be removed. And then for the commissioner in, in the in the city to come out and said the police acted uh, uh, correctly in what mm-hmm. they did uh, is a further evidence in my judgment that uh, being black in this country still carries some really serious detriments and uh, you can't even do things mm-hmm. that are usually in customary uh, practices. Of, and it's happening um, since that Starbucks incident I have seen at least probably 10 more videos of people just by being black being asked to leave and one thing I want to talk to you about Don as an avid golfer have you heard about the incident um, I'm not sure what state this was in but there were these five professional black women and I think one was even an attorney um, that were golfing on this golf course had paid for their time just going about their business doing their holes or whatever you call it right. in golf right and they were approached by someone that works at the golf facility or whatever and just told them to leave. Yeah. And then they were, I mean, you might be able to talk more about that. I'm sure you've heard about that story. Yeah, it was pointed out to me by my son the other day. I, I saw a snippet of the video. Uh, the lady, one of the ladies was actually filming. Uh, yes. She mm-hmm. was smart enough uh, to pull out her. Yeah, keep your cell phone the, cameras handy. I love these handy. cell phones anymore, mm-hmm. you know. And she was filming it. And what I, what I understand is that they were playing golf, uh, and uh, the people in front of them decided to, uh, all males, white, uh, to take a break, go into the clubhouse, have a couple of beers, have some lunch. And so they continued on, the women, uh, to play and, in essence, replaced them on the tee. The tee was open, uh, the tee-off place where they hit the balls. And uh, these guys wanted to come out and force them off the uh, course. And apparently somebody from the course uh, did, in fact, come in and say, you've got to leave because for whatever reason. Uh, none that I could understand was really given for them uh, requesting that they leave. So, yeah, I think they got, you know, this is craziness is what's going yeah. on. 
And these guys were really obstinate about it. They thought because they were who they were that they had a right to replace these ladies on the tee and uh, uh, and persisted. So this lady did the right thing. She's got the, the evidence of what was going on. In fact, some of the, the, the white males in the bunch did, in fact, as for the short piece of video that I saw, tried to be reasonable with their buddies saying, but but basically based on, don't you know she's getting evidence against you? That's what she wants you to do. She wants you to be obstinate and silly and crazy and those kinds of things. And uh, and tried to get them to say, let the women hit and we'll follow, you know. But uh, it didn't happen. Uh, it uh, was another one of those situations where, you know, we're more important than you are just because we're white and you're black. It's, it's insane. It's gone crazy. I mean, it's getting crazier and crazier. And, and there was the... Uh, uh black woman and i think at a waffle house and all she she had been she had requested like some silverware and um the manager there was going to offer her some plastic silverware but she was charging her an additional fee for it and so all she said was why do i have to pay for plastic silverware just give me a fork and a spoon whatever that's that's supposed to be served with my meal right and she wasn't being belligerent, nasty. Her friend was filming it. And the woman calls the police. The police come, cuff her. They manhandle her, throw her to the ground. This is all on video. I just saw this on Facebook last night. They were so rough with her that her top came off. Her breasts were exposed. They were pushing her head into the ground. And the woman did absolutely nothing but question why she was being charged a fee for plastic silverware. You know, I've I've spent a lot of time in the Waffle Houses uh, in the South. Primarily, they're located down south. I don't yes. think that I know mm-hmm. of any of them that, that are north of Memphis, Tennessee. And uh, uh, it surprised me. I have not seen that video, but Waffle House all of a sudden is getting a bad reputation. This young man that went in from Morton, Illinois and shot, uh, you know, two or three black males and one uh, Hispanic. Uh, Hispanic male. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, I've been in them so many times, and generally speaking, the service at Waffle House has been exceptional. I mean, they, they, the prices are the great. Prices are I great. mean, it's horrible. The food, food. is great, right? Uh, well, <laughs> and, you know, horrible for you health wise, yeah. tasty but bad yeah. for you. There you go. <laughs> but all of a sudden, these what? But you know, I think it all it can all be traced back to the start of this presidency when the whole attitude about race and and mm-hmm. accommodations is changing in this country yeah and uh, to the detriment of african americans I, I mean it's giving people a license to do or to say whatever they want right. just one little incident and i'm trying not to overanalyze it too much but i had gone to the post office the other day driving through the parking lot and this lady in a car was backing out and she wasn't going to stop. So I had to kind of slam on my brakes and kind of toot my horn to let her know like, hey, I'm behind you. That was it. And so then I go and park and she proceeds to give me the finger cuss me out Mm. and I'm thinking what gives you the right to do that when 
you were in the wrong. You right. almost rear-ended me. I had not been rude. I didn't give her the flying finger back. You know, I just didn't want to get hit. And she just felt like she could say what she wanted to say to me, flip me the bird. And I was thinking, is this a race thing? Because she was Caucasian. It's like it makes you have to look at these incidents in a different way. You know, two years ago, I probably would have blown it off like, oh, this is just a jerk. Maybe she's high or something. Right, right. But now I'm looking, I look at things through that race. Racist prism. Well, I can give you another example. Just recently, you know, we were celebrating what used to be Secretary's Day, and it's called Administrative Assistance Day now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I took my uh, two office uh, mates to to lunch along with my wife, and uh, uh, at one of the restaurants in here in, in East Peoria, Illinois. And at the conclusion of the restaurant, the the uh, our meals, the waitress came around and first of all she didn't I asked for a glass of water and it looked like it took forever for that to happen but what really upset me uh, was when she brought the bill she said I assume this is on one ticket and took it directly to my secretary who happens to be Caucasian and gave it to her wow like you know now, I also got on my secretary because she laughed it off and said, well, I guess I'm in charge. And uh, I had some words with her afterwards. But Well, you can what, look at that from a position of privilege, can't you? No question about it, you know. And how, how dare you think that just because there are two white females and my wife and I who are African-American sitting here, we are obviously the guest of the white female. Yeah. I don't care who she is, what she is, or, you know, what she looks like. We are her guest, and therefore it was proper for her to give the bill. Well, she suffered because of that because mm-hmm. her tip uh, reflected my anger at her, quite frankly. And I yeah. I did uh, have some words uh, to her. You know, basically, she was dumbfounded when I had the audacity to question, why did you believe, why did you just assume that she was in charge here and not me, you know? What was her reaction? Uh, well, oh, I didn't mean any harm. You know, the, the same thing they always say. Yeah. Know? I really didn't mean any harm, I, blah, blah, and all that. And I said, well, whether you know it or not, uh, it uh, it just that uh, bias uh, that you believe that uh, white people are in charge and, and not black people. That's but what I also, it is. But what really Im- what mm-hmm. further angered me was the reaction of my secretary. She thought it was a joke, but I didn't. Yeah. And I let her know. She ought to know. She's been working with me enough years to know what, what uh, racism looks like because that's mm-hmm. what I do. That's my business. And uh, she, in my judgment, should have been the first one to say to the lady, no, the ticket properly belongs to him, you yeah. know. But just to make the assumption, make it yeah. the assumption, what else could it be? I mean, we were all dressed the same, you know. We were in yeah, professional attire. Professional, right, and right. it didn't matter. Did not matter. It was just the assumption that because there was a white female uh, at the table, she obviously was in charge, and uh, the bill went to her. I should have said, well, collect it from her then, you know. Yeah. It was a pretty good-sized bill for, for lunch. <laughs> I should have told her in retrospect, well, you collect it from her if you think she's in charge. But it's all over anymore. You it know? is. It just. I mean, I in even preparing for this episode, I said, I don't want to be overly sensitive or like hyper aware of these situations because I know that to a certain extent, we're seeing more of this because of social media. Like, quite frankly, if I wasn't on Facebook, most of the stuff I wouldn't even be aware of. So, Don, do you think it's because the incidents are 
increasing or is it just that there's more of a focus on it because of social media we see it more I think it's a, a, a bit of both, quite yeah. frankly. I believe that there are more incidents, and I, I think they are driven uh, by national politics. Uh, I just finished the book uh, called Fire and Fury, talking about the mm-hmm. uh, the White House under, under uh, Trump. And uh, at the conclusion of the book, um, Steve Bannon, everybody knows who Steve Bannon is. Yes. He, you know, he is the alt-right. He is the one who has mm-hmm. opened the door to tell people out there, you can say and do anything you want to, we are in charge now. Well, at the end of the book, uh, it, it talks about how Steve Bannon will no longer be the spokesman for Trump at the end of his four years. In fact, he is going to be the next president. Steve Bannon is going to be... How frightening is that? If you think it's bad now, uh, it's going to get worse because the alt-right in this country believes that they have someone in the White House who Mm -hmm. is in charge, who is carrying their water for them. And, and he is. And he is. And, and it's only going to get worse because, uh, you know, they believe that he's going to be in there longer than I believe he's going to be in there. Yeah. And But even but if, even he if is, he's gone, someone look else what will take his place. Look what he's doing to the courts. Right. Like as we're focused on porn stars and all these other shenanigans and North Korea, People are overlooking the fact that he is reshaping the courts with these lifelong positions. And as we think about what's going on with police brutality and with all these cases and we and we're saying what legal recourse people have, can you imagine going through something horrific like police brutality to take it through the court system and own and unbeknownst to you, you are facing a judge that is an alt-right sympathizer exactly, exactly. because of how Trump is shaping the courts. So and, and, you have no recourse yeah. if you are before someone like this. And, I think, and it's happening all across the country with these positions. And I think a good example of that is the, is the recent deliberations before the United States Supreme Court over the travel ban. Now, Mm -hmm. the travel ban that was imposed or attempted to be imposed by uh, the president uh, clearly was about religion and race. It it only applied to Muslims, regardless Mm -hmm. of what country they came from. And from all of those observers at the recent uh, oral arguments before the Supreme Court, it appeared as though the very conservative judges were leaning towards supporting the president's ban against people because of their religion. Mm -hmm. Well, to me, all that does is undermine the credibility of the courts in this country. Because that goes and against the very Constitution. The very Constitution. I mean, I to the people on the street, it seems to me the answer to that case is pretty simple. The Constitution mm-hmm. says you can't uh, judge people based on religion, yeah. you know, in, in its simplest terms. But yet here we have at least five of the nine Supreme Court justices who appeared to be saying, well, we got to forget about the Constitution. What's the what's the power of the president, you know? And, mm-hmm. well, it looks to me like he might have that power, you know? Uh, forgetting completely. These are the people that we depend on mm-hmm. to establish the laws and guidance for Impartially. society. Impartially. There's a lady there that's holding scales of justice, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, uh, and, and yet we... we common ordinary folk can see what's happening and and we've got these so-called 
lifetime professionals mm-hmm. who apparently will be willing to disregard the, the edict of the Constitution and, and uh, allow discrimination based on religion and, and race. It's frightening. It is very frightening. And, and you're right, that's going, to, that's going to filter down to the uh, lower courts mm-hmm. uh, as they make those decisions. And it will be, first of all, from my point of view, it's going to be much harder to prove cases based on race or religion or I mean, I've got four or five cases now pending in the uh, federal courts where race is an issue. This is in the year 2018. Mm-hmm. And this, some of these cases are so blatant that you, you got to wonder how did the people in control at the local level ever allow this to happen? And but, what kills but, me is you can have video evidence Video evidence. Look at a lot of these police cases where they have been videotaped murdering unarmed people. And how how much more proof do you need than to have it right in your face and they get away with it every single time? How do you get away with it when there's a video that proves without a doubt what you've done? And recently the Supreme Court has said uh, basically that uh, before charging these things, you got to look at it from the perspective of the police officer. I tell you, that's it, the problem. It, yeah, there it is. That is the problem, looking at it from their perspective. Uh, you can take any one of the cases that uh, recently uh that have come down the police officers in in Cleveland that went into a Walmart (laughs) because of somebody's complaint Mm -hmm. that there was a black man in Walmart with a rifle. And uh, apparently they just went in and shot the guy only to determine that that he had a BB gun in a package. Yeah, unopened. Unopened package. And this man loses his life over that. Or the, or the classic now, I thought the person had a gun, and right. it always ends up being a cell phone. Right. Since when does a cell phone, any cell phone, look like a gun? Yeah, and then the victim gets shot, you know, 10 times in the back. So, uh, uh, you know, it, it's just, it's getting incredible. And, and it almost uh, seems like hopeless in the sense that you can do everything right like Philando Castile for example told the officer that he had a gun that you know he was a licensed carrier didn't keep it a secret didn't even brandish the weapon and he shot to death so what do you do it 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 just makes me think like how are we supposed to handle ourselves and behave I was on um Facebook once again I hate to even uh, bring that site up again but there was this attorney that had put a video on Facebook and he was giving advice legal advice to people saying what do you do when you're stopped or pulled over and he was going on and on about how you do not have to show anybody your ID especially if if there was no moving violation this or that and I wrote to him and I said that don't tell black people that that does not apply to black people yeah the you know caucasian possibly even latino if you look more caucasian maybe you can get away with that someone that looks like me if i tell the police i'm not giving you my id there's a good chance that i can be dead 
I might not even survive the incident. If I do survive the incident, I may get my butt kicked. I may be uh, taken into custody. That does not apply. And then he wrote like some lengthy letter back to me and I and he must have deleted it somehow on his end because I intentionally tried to save it. I should have screenshotted it. But he um, wrote back to me and said, I've been practicing law 12 years and I presented over a thousand cases where I have told people to do this and it ended up being fine and I'm like come on now how many of those people were black well what he probably doesn't tell is the other side of the story is that afterwards after they were uh, arrested and handcuffed and taken to jail Mm -hmm. they determined that they had committed no crimes and they let them go Mm -hmm. he is right on what the law should be Mm-hmm. But he's wrong in terms of how it's interpreted against us. Yeah, and he made and it the, seem like I was being racist yeah. by raising that concern. Yeah, well, I question his statements that he's tried over a thousand cases in twelve years. That's he was in court every day of the week. As yeah. Far as, yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> almost impossible. But no, that's that. You know, our our mantle is comply and complain. You know. Comply while you're on the street. You got to say this to young African-American males, especially. You have to comply while you're on the street and then complain later. There are organizations uh, that uh, can take it up with the police department, the city attorney, whoever you have to deal with at a later date, even the courts. But right there, you are absolutely correct, especially if you're an African-American male, although females, we know what Sandra Bland was. It's getting bad out here for us, too. Exactly. Uh, that you you simply you you can't win on the street. You cannot win the argument. Yeah. So uh, comply. You're right. You don't have unless they got probable cause to believe you've done something criminal um, and, or broken the law in some way. You don't have to show your ID just because they say I want to see your ID. Mm-hmm. We don't have to carry papers in this country, although it's getting. They're acting it, like you exactly. do. Exactly. You're exactly right. Uh, but. Uh, uh, that does, that notwithstanding, uh, you're going to have a problem when you're looking at some police officer who may himself be a member of the alt-right uh, who simply is questioning you because you're black. We've had mm-hmm. a situation like that here in Peoria uh, where two young men were <laughs> at 1 o'clock in the morning walking along Washington Street just looking at the architects of buildings and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. One was uh, planning on studying architecture and had apparently a pretty good knowledge of it. And when the police stopped him, for whatever reason, what are you doing here? You know, it's one o'clock in the morning. He says, well, we're walking and we're looking at architecture. And he says, well, it looks like you're probably trying to rob the place. So let me see your ID. Oh, well, goodness. it just went one did show his ID. The other said, no, I'm not going to. And he was arrested. Now, no charges were ever brought against the guy. But the the other side of that coin is I'm sure that the police officer himself did not get penalized or no. disciplined Not uh, at all. or even a write-up in his in his uh, portfolio in his uh, in his uh, personnel file uh, about the incident uh, but uh, and he'll he's out on the street I'm sure doing the same thing today mm-hmm. I can go down there and even at my age and walk at street at one o'clock in the morning it's likely that I'll get uh, get stopped and questioned as to why I'm there it doesn't even have to 
to take that because I know I've shared with you guys with the work that we do on the radio station. I'm not sure I have on the podcast. This was a number of years ago. This was before even the Trayvon Martin incident. And um, so this will definitely sound familiar to you guys. My husband and I had been to the grocery store broad daylight. It's about one, two o'clock in the afternoon. As a matter of fact, I think it was on a Saturday. We're unloading groceries out of our car in front of our house. Um, My husband had opened the back seat and he was like, pulling out groceries. I had already taken some up to my porch, so I was standing on my porch, and I happened to look back, and the squad car pulls up, like, right beside our car. Didn't think anything of it. You know, my husband turns around and and looks at the guy, and and I stop and look, too. This guy um, gets out of the squad car. His hand is on his gun the whole time, Mm. and he looks at my husband, and he was like, show me your driver's license and registration right now. And my husband looks at him like, "Um, what are you talking about? And he was like, I need to see your ID. And so I, my husband's not the mouthy one I am. So I'm on the porch. I'm like, excuse me, what did you just say? (laughs) And the officer looks at me, tells me to shut the F up and go in the house. Wow. And so I I had my cell phone in my hand. It was an old janky one. And I said, "Um, I happen to know my rights, and I will not be doing that. But what I will be doing is calling the police on you. And I said, I'm going to call the police right now. And then he's telling me to uh, shut the F up because I'm causing trouble. And I said, what are you doing? There's no moving violation. We were parked and we had been parked for a while. I said, there's no moving violation. What are you doing? He would not give me an explanation. And when I opened my, it was an old flip phone, when I opened my phone up and called the police on him, then he gets in his squad car and takes off. Wow. I proceed to call the police station, ask to speak to whoever the desk sergeant was on duty at the time, and I got blown off. I literally, I was so heated, and I thought for sure once I called and and spoke to whoever was in charge that somebody would do something, give me an explanation. Well, okay, ma'am, we'll we'll take that down, and that's about the extent of it. We promise you we won't do anything about it, but we'll take it down. And we were just literally harassed for absolutely nothing but bringing groceries into our own house. You know, I guess you look at that situation and under today's scenario, the fact that you pulled out your phone and flipped it up, you know, they could have shot you and said, oh, I thought it was a gun. I mean, that was a time that was before, you know, police brutality was really back in the media. Like I said, it was before even the Trayvon Martin thing. So I I did that in ignorance. Right. But yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it was just incredible that you can be absolutely doing nothing. Something as mundane as carrying in groceries and be pulled over. Right. Just because you're black. And if I hadn't been there running my mouth, he very well would have cu- probably cuffed my husband and took him to jail for nothing. Yeah, and then, and then charged him with resisting arrest. Yeah, yeah, but, uh, yeah, and he yeah. might have been taken somewhere and beaten before he actually exactly. made it to the police station. Well, you know, it's, it's just getting so prevalent that it's it's frightening out on the street uh, anymore. And if you look at the incidents uh, you'd mentioned before about the number of shootings of black men, especially uh, in situations where they've done nothing wrong, uh, except perhaps uh, violate a traffic law. Most recently, I dealt with a case where two young men were out at midnight and they were driving along and the police actually followed them. And they followed them 
until the police considered the fact that they hadn't turned on their turn signal within 100 yards of the of the uh, intersection, then thought they had probable cause to stop them. And of course, that the next question is, we want to search your car. And mm-hmm. it just goes on and on and on. And uh, uh, But the very fact that they are looking to find things wrong, yeah. falsely accuse you of violating traffic, you know, if you're the only car on the road, whether or not your the left front tire of your your vehicle uh, touches the dividing line, so what? You know, who are you putting in jeopardy? But that, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I'm afraid to say, will certainly get you stopped by the police and the usual and customary uh, search of your vehicle. Do in, you have to hopes. allow them to search your vehicle? No, no, you don't. But again, I got to go back to not unless they have probable cause. Uh, to, they can't do it for a traffic stop, though. You know, I mm-hmm. mean, uh, assuming for a moment that you did fail to signal, you know, uh, that you were making a left turn or right turn, regardless of what it is. Uh, if that is the 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 the, uh, the point of the the stop, that does not lead to a constitutional search of your vehicle. So, mm-hmm. but uh, on the other hand, what the other scenarios that I've seen is that while they are talking to you about you know what you didn't do, they're they're also calling a police dog, and and mm-hmm. I'm one of those attorneys who is convinced that dogs cannot cannot. I want to make this very clear: cannot make the di- turn, to, the, you know, come up with the difference between a piece of meat in your car and cannabis. All right, no. I don't believe dogs' nose are that sensitive. And my concern is if you're dealing with potentially a dirty cop, who's to say he's not going to plant something in exactly. your car? Exactly. Yeah. You and, know. And they bring the dogs in, and the dogs will circle, and they'll say every time, oh, he's hit on something, we now got probable cause, we're going to search your vehicle. All in the hopes of finding dope in your car so that they can uh, can uh, charge you with something. But uh, it's just, it happens every day in this country, in mm-hmm. this city. And uh, it's getting to be frightening because we see so many uh, homicides, and I'm going to call them what they are. Yeah, it's murder. Yeah, of uh, white police officers. You know, I just recently made a suggestion to, uh, you know, we got a couple of people running for uh, sheriff of Peoria County, and uh, uh, one of the things I suggested to them that as part of their recruiting uh, apparatus, so, you know, when they, you know, they do the interviews, and then they do the polygraph, and then they, you know, you know test you see if you got the uh, skills and ability to be a police officer. Uh, one of the things that they, they've never asked, and I think they ought to ask, is whether or not police officers, white or black, belong to a, uh, a uh, right-leaning, uh, an alt-right group, you know? And, and it, this is not about race. This is about trying to figure out uh, if you have this intrinsic bias in you. Mm-hmm. And that can happen with black people who are who belong to uh, radical groups as well. Yes. So, you know, now they do ask questions about gang affiliations when they're talking to uh, potential black applicants to the police department. Mm-hmm. And if you have ever known anybody, I don't know how you grow up in a place like City of Peoria on the south side of the City of Peoria without having a friend who or may family be family member or, or something who may be affiliated <laughs> with a gang, you know. And, uh, and but if that affiliation in and of itself, uh, we have found, will keep you off the police department if you wow. happen to be African Americans. But so, they certainly aren't asking you if you are someone you know is in the KKK. 
like, hey. That's exactly right. They're not asking those questions. Well, fortunately, I can report that the two people running for the uh, sheriff's department have both agreed to uh, incorporate uh, that recommendation into their hiring process, and Mm -hmm. I think it's necessary today. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, it's it's frightening out there, and you can only, it's not going to get any better over the next uh, several years, so. Uh, it's something we're going to have to work out as a people. Well, thank you, Don, for spending time with us. And I also want to take this time out as we've been talking about this issue to thank our non-black allies who have our back. Because in a lot of these incidents, there have been Caucasian people and people of other races as well that have at least attempted to speak up on our behalf. And I want to say thank you because we are going to need you as allies as never before when, as they say, when you see something, say something, speak up for your black and brown brothers and sisters because I tell you it's a slippery slope as people try to take away the freedoms of one group if you stay silent it's going to be you next so let's be allies of one another and just continue to support one another because we have to believe and know that uh, the good outweighs the bad And we have to have faith and hope that just like back in the civil rights movement, there were lots of allies that stood behind African-Americans. If there weren't, then a lot of laws and bills would not be passed that have uh, at least protected us thus far. So thank you to our allies. If you are not an active ally, be one. Like I said, when you see bullying, when you see anything that's being done wrong to another human being, regardless of their race, sexual orientation, whatever, speak up and show your support support in any way you can. And thank you for listening to the Get Happy with Jay podcast. If you have any comments or questions about this episode or any other episode, please hit me up on the Facebook page, Get Happy with Jay. Go to the website, gethappywithjay.com. Like, subscribe, and share. Until next week, do something to make yourself happy, including being good to other people. It's not selfish, it's self-care.